We're going to continue our Bible study tonight a little bit on the local church. And I'd like to review with you, if you don't mind. We'll uh, do a review of some things. I'll make it as quick as possible. But I'm so glad to see every one of you in the service tonight. We're talking about the local church. And we'll begin with uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47. Let's read it together, can we? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. And once again, we know the will of God. Soul winning and getting people saved is the will of God and it's the work of God. And you and I need to be after his will. Uh, one of the things we learn in the, in the Lord's Prayer, I spoke about this last night while teaching the Hammond Bible Institute uh, there from my hotel room in North Carolina. But learning that really the, the Lord's Prayer is thy kingdom come, thy what? Yeah, it's what does God want? What is his will for our life? And he wants all men to be saved. Look at the next one, if you would, please. The next uh, verse there, 1 Timothy, or Acts chapter 2, 20, verse number 28, ready? Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased. If you have a Bible and you got, your, you got that, that passage there, you ought to put out beside it, the deity of Christ. Remember right? it says right there, it's to feed the church of who? God, which he hath purchased with his own what? So the, whose blood came out of Calvary? That's Jesus, right? So it was also not just Jesus, it was God. And he is God. It's a great verse in the deity of Christ. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, the key verse of this particular book of the Bible. And uh, let's read it together. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, I want to read to you verse number 16 because that is speaking about Jesus and without controversy, the verse after this one, great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh. He was manifest or made obvious in the flesh. That's Jesus. He's justified in the spirit. That's Jesus. He's seen of angels. That's Jesus. He's preached to the Gentiles. That's you and me. And he was preached to us. He's believed on the world and received up into glory. And that's who Jesus is. Let's continue for quick, quickly our review. And one of the reasons why we want to be a member of a local church is one of five reasons. And would you read the first one, if you would, please me? Say it with me. Identification. And when you get a part of a local church, you're saying, I'm with Jesus and I'm with his body, the local church. He's the head and I'm part of the membership. Number two, it's a place of instruction. It's where we submit ourselves to God's word and his ministers who teach us. Every one of us are products. If you're a spiritual Christian, you're a growing Christian, it's because someone, uh, God put someone in your life, put a local church there and someone to help you uh, to understand, to illuminate your mind to the truths of God's word. How many can think of someone did that for you sometime in your past? And we even have some right now. God's working in our heart. It's a place of identification. The local church is a place of instruction. It's a place of involvement where we get involved in fellowship, worship, prayers, and we get involved in service. It's a place of inspiration. It's a place where we're inspired. One of the things that, without a doubt, is that anything that, that personally God has done in my heart in a local church, it has instructed me, told me what to do, but it's also inspired me what to do. I may have shared this story with you before, but I remember I was in fifth grade, and I had a great Sunday school teacher, but then... I, uh, I went to, we went to church a little bit early, and I saw my Sunday school teacher kissing and hugging his girlfriend in his pickup truck in the back of the church. 
And when I saw that, I was in fifth grade. And I knew they weren't married and they weren't supposed to be doing that. And boy, I'm telling you, it, it hurt me. It hurt me. As a matter of fact, when he, I got up to hear him, when he got up to speak in my Sunday school class, I loved him. But after that, I just, I don't know. It just wasn't the same. I was so disappointed. And, but that terrible experience for me in the fifth grade, whenever I started dating Linda, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to let another boy or girl see that happen that hurt them. I don't want to. It kind of inspired me to say, you know what, I want to take the high road. I'll wait till I get married to enjoy the privileges of marriage. And the Bible says marriage is an honorable thing. And the physical relationship is undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God brings judgment. And it's a judgment, and it brings judgment uh, on that situation. But it's a place of inspiration. I remember years ago uh, learning to give in church through an envelope system because I watched other men come to church. When I was in second, third grade, I watched the men of the church. They would have that white envelope in their pocket when they came. I thought to myself, well, I want to have a white envelope in my pocket. I had to fold it six times to get it to fit. But, it, it, but I wanted to... I want to do that. As a matter of fact, just watching other people give encouraged me to do the same thing. And I think it's a place of inspiration to soul win, to exhort other people, to serve, and to mature. And then it's a place of investment where I invest my, would you read those four things real quickly? Invest our time, our talents, brain and alms. And so a place where we can make, I think the local church is the best investment going. And I think it's a place where you, you'll be so glad one day when you stand before God. I'm convinced of it. And, uh, you, and one of the things I, I oftentimes, even today, we, Brother Mark Bushy and I were talking about their missions program and talking about some investments that, that God may want for us as a church in our missions. But, I, but one of the things we oftentimes think, he reminds me and I remind him, listen, this is about what God is doing through our local church. And one day we want our people to one day say, boy, am I glad that uh, Brother Wilkerson and Brother Bushy were thinking about it. I'm glad our deacons were thinking about this. I'm glad we made that investment. I'm glad we ran that bus. I'm glad that we, uh, we supported that missionary. I'm glad that we bought those tracks, uh, that we had that conference. Whatever it is we do, we want to be glad we did, not wish we would have. And uh, we want to invest our time and treasure, our talent and our tithes and offerings. And then we're talking really about four thoughts that we have that kind of help us uh, evaluate what are, we, what are we here to do? What are we trying to accomplish? Number one, we want to focus on God's heart for every individual. And this is once again by way of review. Number one, God wants people that are not saved to be saved. And if you are saved, what does he want you to do? <laughs> Help someone else get saved. Get the gospel to somebody else. Number two, he wants saved people to be? He wants separated, sanctified people to be separated to God from the world. And he wants us to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he wants for us. Number two, it needs to be a place where love is obviously felt and shared. Bond them into the church family using love. And those are the verses we looked up previously. Number three, it's a place where God's word is communicated. First of all, through preaching. Secondly, through teaching. And thirdly, through discipleship. That's what we're going to pick up right there, if you would, please. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse number 20. If you could go to your Bibles, please. Acts 20, 20. And uh, let's look at that passage of Scripture. Helping people to grow in Jesus after they're saved is, is just as biblical as, as, as uh, Genesis 1, 1. And helping people to grow. Now, it's not easy. It's not easy. And I, I sometimes joke around, but it's, 
With, with my wife, Linda, I, I never had a baby, but I watched her have nine of them. And I always, she would tell you it was easier to have those babies than it has been to raise those babies. Raising babies is not easy. It's not easy to win people to Christ, but it is, it is extra strength to help them to grow to spiritual maturity. But everybody needs to have a passion for it. And it's much more a passion than a program. I thank God for the foundations of our faith Bible um, discipleship that we use. And now we find ministries being used that. I got a, got a beautiful picture this week from southern Indiana. We're down Evansville. And a picture was shown of about 20 adults sitting there. Their pastor was holding up the foundations of our faith. Salvation was their first lesson. And he's discipling 20 new believers with those lessons. I thought, man, that is wonderful. Uh, I've got pictures of, of the discipleship materials on, in the Amazon on a, a local church, found them, and they copied them and put them right there, and they found them on the, on the pews of a, of a church that didn't even have walls on it uh, in the Amazon, being people being discipled. We use it in Brazil, we use it in the Philippines, we use it in other places of the world, and I thank God for that. But, but I'm telling you, it's not about a book, it's about a, a passion. It's one Christian sharing the life of Christ with another Christian. And many folks are too lazy and too apathetic to get involved with discipling people because it's not easy. Now, all of us have the same amount of time. You don't have one more minute of your day than I have in mine. You don't have one more hour in your 168 hours than I have in mine. But all of us need to say, God, please help me to, to mark out some time to help someone grow. And I love to see sometimes on, on Sunday afternoons, I'll watch and some of our bus workers uh, from uh, five to six, they're sitting at a table discipling another person. That's great. And you know, most people, especially new Christians, most people who are sincerely saved would delight if someone cared enough about them to spend time with them. And you can do that, and God can help you. And, and if you have questions about that, I'd like to help you. Brother Abdel, I'd like to help you. We can, we can get some of Brother Tom or other folks. We can find someone that can help. Every, every, week, we, every week, we get to disciple folks. And this coming week is our new members' orientation. I'm looking forward to that. But then the week after, we start on, uh, on understanding salvation, eternal security, baptism. But discipling people is not an easy thing. As a pastor, I'm continually thinking about soul winning and discipleship. Soul winning and discipleship. Getting people saved and helping get the saved disciple. It's a, it's a continual thing. It's not easy. Sometimes um, we'll have special days like um, Veterans Sunday and then the Christmas program. And uh, then we have a friend day in June. And then we have a Mother's Day or Easter and uh, kind of a special push. And it's somewhat by design. I thank God this week we start our, our Chicagoland uh, program. Brother, Brother John Francis got all the, all the workers ready to go on that. They had a beautiful meeting at the church in Cicero last week and just filled up that auditorium. It was a beautiful service for the Steve Hobbins preached for them. Now they're going to start uh, the spring program this, this week. 50% chance of snow on the first day of spring program. Goldfish Sunday. Wow, we need to start praying about that, don't we? Nonetheless, that's coming up this week, but uh, the program's times. But oftentimes we have a special push, and then we have some time to follow up. Push, follow up. Win, follow up the ones we win. And with the Lord's help, let's all work together on that. Here's a couple verses that talk about that. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 20. Would you read aloud loud with me? This is the Apostle Paul giving a testimony of what he did when he moved into the city of Ephesus. Are you ready? Verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and I've taught you publicly and 
He said, I've taught you publicly, that's in church, and house to house, in your homes. Now, it couldn't mean door to door, and I appreciate that. They went everywhere preaching, house to house, and then in the temple daily. But here, I think it's talking about, he says, well, I, I did this when I, was in the, when I was in church. I taught you publicly, and then I spent time with you individually. And boy, that individual work is, is a work that everybody can do. We can't have in a service, we just have usually one main preacher preach. Not a whole lot of people that get behind the pulpit, but everybody can be a discipler one-on-one. You can go and you can set up a time with someone. and You can be so used of God. Uh, I, I'm confident of this. Great churches are not built on a pulpit ministry effectively. They must be done by one-on-one one one working with people. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs somebody to help them in those early stages. And Apostle Paul said, I, I kept back nothing. If it could help you, I gave it to you. And I taught you publicly and house to house, and I, I kept back nothing. If it would help you, that's what I want to do. And that's what discipleship, you know, I think about discipleship, I think about several things. Sometimes I think about the, 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 the acrostic disciple, D. You have to determine to do it. You won't do it because you think it's a good idea. You have to make a decision. I am going to be used of God to disciple someone. And if, if you want to do something, we usually do what we want to do. If you want to, if you... Uh, if you want to do something special, whether it's be a part of, a, of a, an athletic opportunity or a play, or you want to be a part of, of you'll do what you, what you want to do. I'll do it. If I want to watch a ball game, I'll figure out how to get it done. If I want to get, my, get a car clean, I'll figure out how to do it. Whatever I want to do, I, I make time. If I want to take my family on vacation, we'll figure that out. Uh, you're here tonight because you decided you would do it. We have to decide, okay, I'm, I am not going to be a fruitless Christian. I'm going to figure this out. Number two, I'll have to interest myself in somebody else. You'll not be effective discipler on spare time and pocket change. You're going to have to say, okay, I am going to interest myself in somebody else. The next one is that you're going to have to select somebody you're going to work with. There's enough people that you know and enough people that are new Christians or they, they just need someone to help them at this stage of their life in this world that you can find one of them. There's over 8 billion people out here. So there's somebody. You've got to find out, Lord, who do you want me to spend time with? Select someone. And then see, understand that cost will be a factor. It's not going to be easy. It'll cost you time, disappointments, struggle, money. It's, it's, it's just cost uh, it, to disciple people. And if you don't believe that, study Jesus' effort to train 12. Do you think they ever disappointed him? Sure. Judas betrayed him. <laughs> he washed Judas' feet just a, just a little bit of time, an hour or two before he went out and took his 30 pieces of silver and met him in the Garden of Gethsemane. So, so sometimes it's going to cost you some things. It's going to ask you to intercede in prayer for someone. If you disciple someone, you're going to be praying for them. You're going to need to pray for them, not just when you're with them or going over the lesson. You're going to need to pray for them each day and say, God, please help my friend that they'll grow in the Lord and they'll, they'll continue to, to be strengthened. Uh, pray for them. Intercede for them. And uh, let's see, what's the next, what's the next, the next thing? Is it P? Yeah, prepare for some disappointments. <laughs> prepare for some setbacks. How many of you ever raised children before? You've had children. You brought them home from the hospital. Aren't they beautiful? And then they don't sleep at night. 
And then they get sick. I remember many times my precious wife would be getting kids ready, and boy, we got multiple kids, and then one of them just start throwing up, you know, or in the back, Mama, Lydia threw up, you know, oh, turn her back around and go back in, find, assess the situation, get a different dress on her. Boy, those are things happen. Kids throw temper, temper, um, whatever, temper tantrums. Yeah, that's one. Temper tantrums, you know, yeah. They, they get mad, and they have rebellious, stubborn streaks in them. You know what? New Christians have that too. Have little setbacks and disappointments and challenges. It goes with the territory. So be prepared for that. And then L, live out your Christian faith. It's not just teaching. It's living. If people don't trust you, they won't trust what you tell them. It, it, and, you know, many folks don't want disciples. They don't want people to get too close to them. They, they, they realize they've got some issues. They've got some problems, and all of us have issues. But you're going to have to be willing to be a good example because our sermon whispers, but our life shouts. Our lesson will just be a whisper, but how we, how we live will be very loud to people. And then last one, you will, enjoy, uh, you will enjoy eternal fruit if you'll spend time with people. Paul understood that. He said to people, you are my joy and he said, I am so glad. I can't wait to see you one day before the Lord. You bring me joy, and you are part of the reward that God's going to give us together because we serve the Lord together, because we grew together. But I want to encourage you to make that, that first D is determined, Lord, please use me to help somebody. Either systematically is my preference, is finding someone that you can spend some time with. And Jesus did that, and he gave us a great example. Let's look at another verse of Scripture on that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse number 2. This is the classic verse for discipleship. By the way, pray for me. I'll share this with our friends at the, uh, the Servants' Conference. Pray that God will help us. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 2. Let's read it together. Can we please, everybody? And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to... Now, you know, not everybody is worthy of your time and attention to disciple them. Some people are just too unfaithful. Who are the people that God wants us to help find that will, will continue on? Faithful people. That's why there needs to be an element of faith. It's one of the reasons why we have four lessons in a classroom before we do one-on-one. Because if you can't pass four lessons and get through four lessons, and many people have started it and didn't finish it. But if someone can't do four lessons in a classroom setting and be faithful four times, they're probably going to be, be even more frustrating trying to deal with them one-on-one. -on -one. And sometimes those things kind of just say, I want to see, can we be faithful enough to finish four lessons? Come, learn your verses, do your lessons, be faithful, so we can keep going on that. And you know, the truth of the matter is, not everybody is worthy of your time and attention. And that's one of the things all of us ought to be. It's required as stewards that a man be found faithful. But faithful people are the kind of people that you need to invest your time in. Every once in a while, I'll be working with somebody, and, and they just start falling off the planet. They just ghost me on the, on the text, and they don't take my calls. And, and I'm always, always disappointed. But I've got to understand, look, I've got to move with the movers. I still love that person. I'm going to spend eternity with them. I want them to keep growing. But if they're not going to move, I'm not going to waste my time beating a dead horse. I got to find someone who's, who's, who's going to keep moving. 
And I think you have to understand that's not fun. It's not even it's not even being unfair. It's just saying, look, if I still love them, I'll still follow up with them. But if they're not going to be faithful, I don't want to work with unfaithful people. Because here he says, take the things which I've taught you and pass on to faithful men who can do what? Who will do the same thing? Every time I meet with a discipleship lesson, I usually tell the person, I can't wait till one day you're sitting helping someone else. And oftentimes they're like, oh, I can't do it. I said, no, you're going to be able to help someone. There's someone not even saved right now. They can't find Genesis or Psalms in the Bible. But you're going to be able to help them. By this time next year, you'll be strong enough that you can help them grow. And I want them to see that they're everybody. Needs, they're not an end. They're a part of the, they're the part of the continuance on that. And so God wants us to be a, a church that, that communicates his word through preaching and teaching. Now, teaching is a great tool, but there's a little difference between preaching and teaching. Does anybody have any thought on that? What's the difference between a, a, a preaching and a teaching? Anybody have a thought on that? I'll give you a couple thoughts, and I don't know if I'm totally right about that. I've been wrong so many times, I'm a little nervous about even opening my mouth. But, uh, but I think preaching is, 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 is sharing something with a little bit more fire and a little bit more bringing people to a decision. Okay? Teaching is more informative. It gives, it does have a motivational part to it, but a teaching is passing on information more so but I think even in the teaching, we need to bring, a, bring people to a decision. But make sure that uh, I think a preaching is, has a little bit more provocative challenge to people. That you need to do something with this. And it's usually why in a, in, a, in a church service we'll have an invitation. If God speaks to us, we ought to speak back to him. But in the Sunday school class, we can do the same thing. But like in a school day, sometimes you're just passing on information so they can take on more information tomorrow. So it's, it's, a, it's a communication of those things and discipleship. Let's look at our last thing, and that is, if we can, having an eternal impact locally and how else? Through the gospel of Christ. Can we look at these verses in closing tonight real quickly? Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. Let's turn there. Actually, we're, uh, yeah, let's turn there. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. We'll just do that in order. Brother Jack, if you could look up Acts 17, if you would, please. Or now, how about 1 Samuel chapter 17? Let's do that one. Acts, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. This is a great, it's the first of five uh, great commissions that are given to us. Let's pick it up and read it. Verse number 19 and 20. And uh, let's look at verse 18 first. Can we please? Let's read uh, 18. I mean, all the men, read verse 18. Would you please, men? And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Ladies, would you join us on 19 and 20? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, amen. This is, uh, we want to have a local and a global impact. We want to do our job around the corner and around the world at the same time. I would not want to be a part of a church that didn't have an aggressive local ministry and a global ministry. I think you want to be a part of that because God has given every church the responsibility to reach the world with the gospel. Every church has a responsibility to reach this generation with the gospel, and we have that chance to do it. Now, we're not doing all that hot of a job 
And we need to keep learning and keep asking God for wisdom and how to do it more effectively, but locally and globally make an impact because we have a great commission. The great commission is given five times in our Bible here in Matthew, Mark 16, 15, in Luke, Luke chapter 24, John chapter 21, and then again in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Each time the Lord Jesus looks into the eyes of his followers and says, go, go. Go all over the world. And they did. And that's why you and I are sitting here tonight, because they obeyed the gospel. Let's look at Acts chapter number 2, would you? We've already read this verse, actually, and the Bible talks about it. We actually have it from our beginning. But let's look at it in Acts chapter 2. It'd be a good place for you to underline this in your Bible. Acts chapter 2, and verse number 47. And uh, let's read it out loud together. Ready? Praising God and having favor with all the people. Daily, such as should be saved. So we find a great commission is to is to 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 be faithful to the Lord, have a good testimony in our community, praise the Lord, and let God add people to the Lord. Now let's look at look at Acts chapter seventeen and verse number six. Acts seventeen six. Thank you for turning in the Bible with me tonight. I sure love you. Glad to be with you. Acts chapter seventeen, verse number six. Let's read it together, can we please? And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the elders of the city, crying. Isn't that something? And this is, of course, in the city of Corinth, that, uh, or Thessalonica, excuse me, I think it's Thessalonica. Yeah. And uh, Jason lived there, and he, they, they took him, and we talked about this Burmese pastor that got beat up and hurt uh, over, over about just yesterday. Well, this guy got, got taken to custody. He had to post bail to get out of jail. Uh, and because he, he was housing Paul and uh, Timothy and uh, Titus on this trip here. And then, boy, they, they got him and roughed him up. And they said, these people have turned the world upside down. They've come hither also. And what a great testimony. They took the gospel to the ends of the earth. And then, Brother, brother um, Jack, go ahead and read that. First Samuel chapter 17, 46b, would you? Very good. And this, of course, is the story of David fighting Goliath. And uh, remember his brother, his brother got all over him, and he said to his brother, what did he say? Is there not a cause? And he goes, isn't there a cause? And he, he stated that cause as he picked up that rock and put it in a sling and, 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 and aimed it at uh, Goliath. He said that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. You don't have to have millions of God, you just need one. And he had a son, he named him Jesus, he died so we could live, and the world needs to know about that. And I hope you and I will be faithful about giving the gospel.